Welcome to the Innovation Calling Podcast, where we connect creators for the next big thing. We're your hosts, Aaron Greger and Sia Yasso Tornrat. Hey, it's Aaron Greger. And it's Sia Yasso Tornrat. All right, we've got another great episode of Innovation Calling coming your way, but before we do, we have another new announcement. Yes, I'm yes, excited. Yes. We haven't uh, said this one yet. So what's what's happening, Sia, February 27th? It is going to be the Dallas chapter launch of the Global Leaders Organization, of which, Aaron, who are the co-chairs? I don't know. These really awesome women that we haven't gotten to know yet that we probably do named Sia and Aaron. Mm, they sound like really fascinating <laughs> They pretty much are. They're beautiful, too. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you are. Anyway, so Global Leaders Organization. Okay, here's why. Otherwise we, known as GLOW, GLOW, by the way. Yes. Yes, it is known as GLOW to us and the cool kids. So you two now shall call it GLOW. The reason why Aaron and I co-chaired this was because we were tired of the standard networking events. And I'm not knocking networking events in general. I think they all have their time and place and purpose. Yeah, you can knock them. It's okay. But we're really focused on building a community, okay, a really dedicated community that is actually looking to help one another, support, sustain, and grow. But not only that, you get educated where you can get some content from individuals all over, right? And that is one of our key tenets why we signed up was the speaker series that we'll be bringing are not necessarily always local. Yeah. And the key thing I know what got me very excited was that there's a threshold here. And when we hear the word entrepreneur, when we hear the word business leader, it can be a very, they're very vast terms, right? So, you know, I won't, entrepreneur can be many things. We'll just put it that way. This, you have to have a threshold. You have to make a certain amount. The first event will be free, so you can check that out, see what it's all about. But it is a higher caliber of a room. So it's not just people, I think I want to start a business. Or, you know, I started this business that I really don't work that much, but it's kind of fun to say I'm an entrepreneur. But it's like actual serious people making revenue, you know, looking to get to that next level. That's what this is about. So to me, because to your point, Sia, networking can fall very flat. And I really think it's about a room. I mean, when you've met great people, you want to go back to those events. Right. We're definitely setting the tone where there's intentionality in these conversations. And it's not simply just shaking hands and glad handing one another. There's a real focus on actionable items that we will be following up on. And it sounds like a little mother hen-ish, but there, th- we want to make this worth our very short available time. Exactly. Uh, worthwhile. Yeah. We're going to find out where you live and we're coming for you. No, just kidding. But. There will be follow-ups. There will be actionable. This will be more than just showing up, passing a few cards and leaving. And if that's what you like to do, probably not your place. If you actually want to meet other business leaders, you can work, you know, work with, mastermind with, whatever, get help from. That's this is going to be your place. So February 27th, head over to innovationcalling.com. Tickets are free for this launch event. So hopefully we'll see you there. All right. Cratebind. Cratebind. This episode today is all about a company called Cratebind, which yes. this was a fun interview. This was a fun, because you know why? It was actually a little bit, I was a little concerned there's going to be four guests. And though we've done roundtables before, it's always interesting to see that dynamic between siblings and in-laws. <laughs> in-laws. I know. So it was, yeah, a brother and sister, and then their, their the significant spouse. others yeah. Yeah. started this company, which... God bless these people because I don't even talk to my sister, let alone any of the in-laws. So Yeah, and I have to clarify, it's been a while. So it was three people. But well, it was originally supposed to be four. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So it was a fun conversation. 
Great story. It is the quintessential discussion around looking at a business. They did start a business together and they pivoted. They actually realized what they were doing. They found an actual gap in the business that wasn't getting fulfilled. So they created a business to fulfill that gap and that became CrateBind. Yeah. That to me is far more innovative as far as in their heads. That's a true entrepreneur is to understand when the you got to make that change. Pivot. Yeah, absolutely. So. Without further ado, enjoy our conversation with Connie, Britt, and John with CrateBind. All right, guys. Welcome, John, Brittany, and Connie. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much. We're excited to be here. (laughs) We have someone who's shy. It's okay. Don't worry. (laughs) We'll just like, just mime for us, and then we'll try to guess. I just came from Disneyland, and I had to do that with the characters, so I'm totally cool with that. Like, oh, what do you say? Oh, so yeah. Go for it. I can translate. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us from CrateBind. So I think Connie, maybe John, you can help me out on this. Is yeah. I think I either stalked Connie or Connie stalked me. But I, I, I just want to give props to LinkedIn and relationships around that that have been developed. I keep forgetting who reached out to whom, but we just kind of tagged each other over time. And, and finally I said, you know, you guys sound really cool. Let's have a conversation. But CrateBind, you and I met blindly, but you guys actually have a different history as far as you guys actually know each other. Could you explain why? Yeah, we we do actually feel like we know each other pretty well. Um, So we've got Brittany, who's my sister, and Connie, who's my wife. And um, we also have another partner named Jordan, who's Brittany's husband. So my brother-in-law. So it's a a family affair, no doubt. Props to you guys on that one. (laughs) How long have you all been working together, too? uh, So it's about five years or so. it's kind of a funny story how we got started, but if we wind the clocks back, our first venture together was a grocery delivery business in Florida, actually, which I would not recommend if you're thinking about doing that. Good we learned, to know. Good we, to know. We learned a lot through the years, have progressed into where we are today with Crapevine. Was it like grocery delivery like we're used to now? Like were you guys a little ahead of the time on it? Way ahead of the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Amazon. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting. It was, you know, Instacart was just coming out when mm-hmm. we were doing it. So we were kind of studying them. We we're studying Fresh Direct in New York. And the idea was we wanted to hit a vacation market. So a little bit higher margin and do pre-arrival delivery. So we would get the groceries into these vacation homes before vacationers would get there. So it sounds like a great idea, but... Then you're thinking about someone's hustling ice cream in the summer on the beach, and it's a lot of work. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking about both. But if you integrated with, like, the Airbnb people, like, that kind of collaboration, I could see where the the refrigerator stocked up with your future vacationers' food. Yeah. I could see. You guys need to restart it and revamp it. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's I, right. I know a great point. app company who could develop it. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah. So speaking of apps, you guys, you guys have such diverse backgrounds, but yet you're all technical? Yeah, we are, we're technical now. Didn't start that way. Okay. And, you know, we kind of through the grocery delivery deal, started kind of falling in love with technology. We ran into a ceiling. We needed better technology to make the business work. Dove headfirst into learning to code, really learning how to write apps, write software. And then, you know, a couple months in, we're like, this is way more fun than, you know, trying to get groceries in people's houses. So, so yeah, that's kind of what took us to where we are today. And it's, it's been a blast. How'd you end up from Florida to Dallas? Three of the four of us went to Baylor. And so we have a little bit of a 
hub in Texas and in Dallas specifically, and it was kind of the natural place to come to after Florida. Wait, so you're, you guys are originally from Florida? Brittany and I are from New Orleans. Jordan, our other founders from Oklahoma. Connie's from Colorado. Um, oh, it makes a lot so, of sense. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. yeah, Dallas is the natural. Yeah. Where the, how did you guys end up in Florida then? Wait, I'm so confused. When, when and where would you end up in Florida if you guys are, have the background that you do? Brittany might need to help us out here. We moved to Florida to start the company that John was referring to called Vacay Foods. Okay. We were starting it along the, the beaches mm-hmm. in the panhandle of Florida. So we moved there for the business. And then as we were transitioning into software development, we moved back to Texas because that was our, our plan and where we had come from, I guess, since college. Okay. That so makes more sense. We moved back now. to Dallas to start group. I yeah. Know. Dallas but, isn't a good vacation place. <laughs> hey, now. You can go see where John F. Kennedy was shot, but that's about it. Man, it's, it's a great place to live, though. Sure, so, it is a great it. place to live. It's true, Wait, though. It's true. It's like when people come to visit, you're like, all right, let's go see where JFK was shot. Okay. <laughs> Every single one of our friends who are chamber listeners who are listening, they're going to be like, oh, Aaron. It's okay. Girl. It's okay. No, I'm the one that goes to all the networking meetups and stuff, and they all love Aaron. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm right here. I'm <laughs> right here. All right. So, so Cratevine. So, tell us, okay, we're talking apps. You guys do app development. Everybody and their mom has an app idea or an app. Can you tell us, let's go with first what makes y'all different. So you've got a thousand people to choose from. A lot of people can go overseas. You hear hear those stories. Sure. But what makes you all different? Well, I noticed you kind of rolled your eyes when you said go overseas. And, you you know, that. I've heard those stories. Right. And so, you know, most people have. And so what we have come to understand, you know, I think kind of like we talked about the, the grocery delivery thing, like we have been on the front lines of trying to start a business and getting our teeth kicked in, like we understand it at a very, very intimate level. What we have found with technology, companies and individuals need someone who understands technology that they can really trust. And they can really trust with their half a million dollars in seed funding and someone who can really get in there and solve the problem. And a lot of the, the technical challenges we face are, are difficult. You know, they're hard to figure out and they're things no one's done before. And so I think... To summarize what makes us different is we attack problems with a business mindset, Mm -hmm. not with just a pure technology mindset. We want to help solve people's business problems. Uh, We want to partner with them, walk through it with them, help figure out what should the budget be according to what your business needs. We don't want a set of specs handed off to us in a Google Doc and we just run away and go build it and bring back a product the eye roll I got from you and thinking about outsourcing, I think that's the mindset a lot, you know, and the companies receive something back that's, you know, not what they wanted, right? And because a lot of times we find founders don't know what they want, right? Like you have an idea, you have a vision, but hey, there's a hundred steps to get there. And and because we've done this now 50, 100 times, we know how to walk you down those steps and get to where you want to go. Yeah, and not to knock overseas, but I've found that, the, the more gray area there is to something, the bigger chance you have of not getting any or getting something that you absolutely did not want in the first place. Sure. And I would think with something like an app, there's a lot of gray area. Like people think this is what I want or they think this should be really straightforward. Like, oh, I just want this app just to do this. Right. And it's like, yeah. well, that's like 70,000 steps like you were saying. Right. So how is that? Is that what you typically find with people that they know what they want but there, there's a lot of ambiguity, I guess, of how they need to get there and not really understanding it. 
I think a lot of times what makes a really good founder or an explosive company is a really strong vision. And we have found a lot of the people with great vision don't always are, are not always as strong in, in the nuts and bolts of execution, right? It's really hard to pair those two together because one kind of drowns the other out. And so where where I feel like we as a team can partner with companies is we bring in five people all at once that can all, all attack a problem from a different angle and really pull this thing apart and use past experience to help them solve the problem. And what we push for a lot is, hey, you have this huge vision, that's amazing, but we need to crunch it down and simplify it into something that we can actually build and deliver and people can start using like now. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because where we see a lot of businesses fail is they try to accomplish too much at once and it never really gets gets there. It never gets any users on board. It never gets people start getting feedback. So we want things built more quickly and feedback coming in more quickly so we can iterate and, and grow off of that. Yeah. So I guess, can we take a step back? You guys do not have a background in application development. Is that correct? But you guys saw this business need and said, look, we have a differentiator and your value system is business first, understanding the business needs or problem you're trying to solve. And then how did you find your technical resources? And I guess, well, let me ask that first. Because you guys were at the time, we're not. How did you guys find the resources to to basically be the engine of your business? Well, I can unpack that for you a little bit. Um, (laughs) We, so... We are technical. We do write code, and we were the first code writers at our company. So okay. the way that worked is the the grocery delivery business kind of wound up. We spent the next eight to ten months literally in my parents' basement, heads down, learning to code. Okay. Uh, we built an application at that point, and that's where we really cut our teeth. And so the first you know kind of year of what is now Crapebind was leveraging some personal relationships that we had, people that were just like, "Hey, we're stuck on this." Heard you guys just picked up coding. Could you come help me try to figure this out? We never really intended, honestly, to start a consultancy or an agency. It literally has snowballed from that point to where we are today. And so, and we see that largely because we help step in, solve problems, and then, you know, people know people. And so they turn around and say, hey, these guys really helped me out. You got, you should talk to them. They could help you too. Okay. I have to take another step back if you don't yeah, mind. Sure. So the business, the grocery delivery business didn't work out. I'm assuming right. the same four of you guys were in business together and that failed. Well, it was BC. The grocery delivery business was BC. <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing someone smile and nod. Okay. okay. So the three, so three right. of you guys then. So three of the four. Right. It failed. If I can add one thing. I don't want to say failed. I'm sorry. I don't want to say that. Sure. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I wouldn't say it, it failed. It actually like it took off and we realized there were logistical issues that we needed to tackle with additional development and programs to help us scale the business. And so we saw that need. And then we also saw on the flip side, just the low profitability in the food retail industry. Okay. Mm, and I we see. saw how long it was going to take us to scale to a point where we were you know, actually bringing home the money that we want, wanted to bring home. And so we transitioned to this other side of the business that we were starting to learn that we saw as much more profitable. So I would say it wouldn't, it didn't fail. We just changed course. It's almost like yeah. they're the true essence of pivot. You guys truly pivoted, pivoted your business yeah. straight up. And yeah. honestly, okay. we sold a lot of the assets. And so it ended up, I wouldn't say, you know, it failed. We, we really 
we, we more like sold that business and then pivoted to something else. Okay, no, because the reason why I was going to ask is, is, and then I think that makes much more sense because normally whenever you go into an endeavor with someone and it doesn't work out for whatever reason, it tends to separate the, the right. relationship. You guys decided to go in and start another business, if you will. So, But this makes sense. You got the bug. Yeah, we got that bug. That's <laughs> and right. you didn't kill each other. So I, I have to ask you, did you guys always get along growing up? We Brittany, did. Brittany, you answer that one. <laughs> We did. I I have two siblings. We have a sister in between us. Okay. And Brittany's we, the oldest responsible fair one. We really one. did always <laughs> get along, and I tri- attribute that to our parents. I honestly could say I've never been mad at John, <laughs> been in a fight with him. We get along really well. That's I can't even be in the same room with my sister for like a day and we start going at each other. So that's impressive. Oh, yeah. I'm very impressed. Well, I have a, a lot of respect for him and he's running Crapevine and it is a joy and a privilege to be able to work underneath and with your little brother, mainly because of the respect I have for him and leading this business. So it's a lot of fun. You really have to have respect and trust in your own relationship and yourself because it is hard to work not only with, but... I mean, if you've got the ownership or founder title and operation, I'm assuming you're making a lot of the ultimate, like, who's got the last say in this? I mean, this, this can't be easy, you guys. You guys make it look like it's, they're, yeah. they're so chill, Aaron. I don't know what's wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're drugged up. <laughs> no, well, kidding. I think it would be unfair to say that it's been easy there. I mean, it has been, it's been very, there's been a lot of really difficult thing. Anyone that has started a business would corroborate that there's, there's no, you know, I think a lot of times I listen to these podcasts, like you hear, hear someone s- tell their startup story and they compress 13 years into 30 minutes and you're like, gosh, why, why isn't it that yeah. easy? You know, yeah. and so that de- definitely have been a lot of challenges. But yeah, we, we've shared kind of that, that title. Jordan, the other founder, was at the helm of Crapevine, kind of being the, the final say. And then about two years ago, he transitioned into another role with a different company, and then I stepped up to fill that role. So, you know, anytime there's organizational change, there's conflict and stuff to figure out and all of that, right? Like, as just like you would imagine. But I do think it's cool that we have all maintained our relationships through all of it because it is tough for sure. Yeah. Okay, so, okay, let's switch from sibling relationship. Let's go ahead and talk about marital relationships. How do you do that you guys that's that's very tough yeah i mean i would like to speak to that i think (laughs) i had to grow a lot in that for sure i think being like a young person in business it's really easy to get your identity all mixed up and confused into hey i'm only worth something if what i do is successful and one of my friends kind of grabbed me by the throat a couple years into into working with Connie and just very clearly was like, hey, your wife is so much more important than this business. And I think keeping that priority is so important. And so to anyone who works with their spouse, your spouse is more important than the business. And it's, you know, it's more important than whatever is threatening your identity in that. So I think that's the same mentality you've had with siblings too. John's always done a really good job of setting priorities and I've learned so much from him. And he's never made a decision that didn't first step through how does this affect our, our family. So I I think that's, I mean, even we bring our their parents into this a lot too. And his parents have always talked about 
being different than the status quo of you can't work with family. And so I've been really encouraged by them encouraging or challenging us to to make it work and make it thrive. So I think your parents need to write a book. I know. No, for sure. <laughs> We've been trying to get them to. I know. I think your parents do. And then I want J.J. Watt's parents to write a book, too. Because I'm like, how do you like raise these good, level-headed kids? Maybe they should do a podcast, Aaron. If they don't want to write, they can just always podcast it. We'll get Absolutely. So let's talk about app development. Because, sure. again, it's kind of a standard, like, you know, like I was saying, everybody's got an app idea. Can you talk about how has it shifted and what trends are you seeing now of what companies are needing and kind of pushing that status quo of apps and what's out there? Yeah, that man, there's so there's be so hard to answer that question in one sitting. I think in one way of looking at almost everyone you meet has an app idea, right? right. Like literally almost everyone. <laughs> oh, much, I had yeah. an idea for the, you know. And there's a there's a certain degree of of some apps uh, don't ever deserve to be built and they shouldn't be built. So I think Part of this is is as we walk through like working with our different clients is like helping them figure that out, right? So like incentive structure can be tricky because we are incented to build more things because we make more money, right? Yeah. And so I think that's the trickiest thing that as companies walk through this is aligning incentives around that. And so what, what we try to do is really partner with our clients and, and say, hey, you shouldn't build that. You shouldn't go that path. I think what we have seen a lot of is you have these early success stories like the Ubers and startups that come out of Silicon Valley that are VC backed and explode. And it, it really changes the the narrative for, a, you know, the 23 year old today that's sitting there like, if I just had an idea, I could go raise money and go blow this thing up. Like, look at Uber did, it, I could go do it. And you, I guess you see a lot of people like go cash in and go, go try, uh, go try to do that. Right. I think at a at a high level, you know, you look at a lot of those startups, and they're they're still burning VC capital, and and they're yeah, and I that mean. is not it's in a lot of ways. Some people would argue they're there's they're still they're still not profitable businesses, right? And so then that has informed the narrative for every other young entrepreneur that thinks I just need to go get a VC on board here get some money in the door and then I can go build whatever. And so we really try to partner with people and, and carve out a path to sustainability and profitability in their business. You know what I mean? And so it and, seems like you have something to add there. Well, and, um, you know, John mentioned we, we try to partner with them and, and, and help dictate their path forward or at least guide their path forward. And so like recently we have tried to like, uh, add different verticals in our business to promote that and to further that because we really do want to act as a partner to as, especially our startup clients we have much bigger clients too that don't need these services but for our startup clients like we 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 now have a whole design team that does logo full suite of branding mm. and and oh wow and um kind of crafts their strategy in terms of marketing and branding and the story that they want to send out to the public. We have strategic consulting, which we are able to draw on our past entrepreneurial experiences and then experiences in other industries to to help guide these companies. And then we also have an arm that provides financial consulting. So we just saw that as the next logical step to our startups that are trying to raise money and grow. And so to John's point about like partnering with our clients, we really try to provide more of a full suite of 
products and um, consulting that they might need to really be successful. Yeah, because to your point, I think there's probably a lot of really bad expectations. I mean, because even Uber, the overnight success, I was told about Uber like probably 11, 12 years ago now. And it was before their model was totally different. It was when they partnered with already professional drivers and it was so they're not an overnight and to your point also what really makes me mad is this set of false false expectations like right all right amazon did really well by not having a profit for many 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 i don't know if yeah they still turn they turn profit now but you can't keep representing that model you're seeing we work failing miserably you saw uber i mean they're struggling big time so i'm sure a lot of these people see these great stories right but to your point of the 13-year and 30 minutes, right? And I, I think, a whole. like, you look at Masayoshi's son and SoftBank and the investments mm-hmm. that they're making, and then, like, it just twists reality for the rest of us. 100%. And I think we put our money where our mouth is because, you know, Brittany would never talk about herself, but Brittany did, is brilliant. She is so much smarter than I am, and... <laughs> Has she cut her teeth doing investment banking with JP Morgan, then moved on and crushed private equity in Boston? So we're putting our money where our mouth is here. We provide financial consulting, and it's not just our kind of like, oh, this is what we think you should do. Like, no, we are like, we're dialed in, and Brittany is dialed in and dials these companies in to a place where we're really like with a a true MA advisory mindset, helping them strategically figure out their cash flow analysis and their pro formas and stuff that a lot of startups never think about where they really should be thinking about it, right? So so who so would you describe your sweet spot then is predominantly the startup community? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. It it it, it is, I mean, there's so much energy in startups. They're yeah. so fun. And so our team loves working with startups, but we also work with you know, Fortune 100 companies. We're sitting right in between Microsoft and AT&T trying to strategically build a product that's going to help solve homelessness nationwide right now. That's wow. awesome. And uh, leveraging some software products that Microsoft creates and and some of the development team from AT&T to put all this stuff together. And so it's, it, it, it is, we love startups, but it's not, it's not, it's not the only place that we focus. And I'm sure of that. I'm just wondering sure. though, in general, just your energy seems like, yeah, these startups are doing X, Y, Z. And then there's yeah. Microsoft. I'm kidding. No. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. So, okay. I don't know anything about your world. And so forgive my ignorance or don't. Most people don't. Don't worry about it. But I don't understand a, a company like a Microsoft or AT&T. They've got their own cadre of coders and programmers. Why can't they do what you guys do? Yeah. Man, to be honest, that there's times where I lay in bed at night and think of the same thing, you know, thinking about the viability <laughs> of our business is like, why in the world? Mm-hmm. Um, I I think a simple answer to that is if you look at an organization, usually the people of that organization are about 100 to 110% capacity of, of what, like their responsibility, they're busy, people are busy. And so, you know, maybe easier to look at like a medium-sized business, fifty, hundred million in revenue business uh, that's growing. Everyone is over-obligated on their responsibilities, you know. But yet, we see an opportunity to go build out this piece of technology, this other app, or this other user portal, or whatever. It's difficult to deploy five people from your team, switch gears, stop everything you're doing, and go build this. Go design it, rethink it, rebuild it, deploy it, test it. That's really hard to do. I mean, it takes a huge priority shift, and whatever they were doing now gets put on the shelf. It's also really hard to 
go recruit and hire a team of five people, say, that takes a lot of time. And so I think the value we we bring is our process, the fact that they can say, here's our idea. This is what we're trying to accomplish from a business level. And we go take it and and execute on it maybe better than they would have if their own team would have done it because we can hyper-focus on it. And then the speed at which we can deploy people, right? We can de- turn people on tomorrow to start building this thing out. And a lot of times speed to market is is worth way more to these companies than whatever cost savings happens by augmenting your own team. You know what I mean? Well, I think you could probably sleep at night too because then Accenture wouldn't be a business, right? They're, that's doing, right. That's they're doing pretty good, I'm just saying. That's right. I've um, heard of them. Yeah. But I want to go back to the trends. Like what are we seeing in apps? Like what are some cool things that people are being or companies are, are able to do because of the acceleration in app development, like the changes even just from what you've seen in the past couple of years? Yeah, I think there's there's several ways to break that down. I would say from a technical perspective, some a huge shift, especially with mobile apps that we've seen, is toward React Native away from... What does that mean? So Brittany's actually a mobile app developer, so I might get her to, to pitch in here a little bit. But yeah, I mean, so a, a typical iOS app is, tip, is going to be written originally in Objective-C, and then okay. and then later on in Swift, and then an Android app is is traditionally written in Java with Android Studio, and then Kotlin. So Facebook launched a library uh, with the JavaScript coding language, where it could build one app with one code base and deploy it to both oh. iPhones and Android devices. Mm. And so, what does that do, right? So if I want to go build a mobile app, I can now build the same app, and it deploy yeah. both, and it costs half as much, right? So we we are seeing massive companies switch all our development to react native away wow. from so wow so we're you know we're seeing everyone from startups to fortune 500s all lean heavy into react uh, and so we have felt that with our company for sure react native uh, especially that that twist over so like facebook is backing that platform they built it and back it so big parts of instagram are built on react native and the facebook mobile app as well so i mean in terms from a technical perspective, like I said, that's the biggest shift that we've seen. Do you have anything to add to that, Brittany? No. Anything yeah. like capability-wise, like any cool apps, and you don't have to name names, but any cool apps you're working on that just is cutting-edge applications of what they're doing? Yeah. One app comes to mind specifically that we've had a ton of fun working on. It's a real-time kind of sports betting app. <laughs> it's down Sorry. to... The play-by-play. So if you're watching wow. a baseball game, every pitch that's thrown, the app refreshes with new data, new probabilities, and it's it's pretty intense. It's you know wow. the same similar technology if you're watching like GameCast on mm-hmm. the ESPN app on your on your phone. So so this this company, this startup, is planning to leverage that technology, apply it to as many sports as they possibly can. So like the MLB, for example, is really lacking engagement, and so the, the hope with this app is to bring people back in, make watching a baseball game exciting again. And so, and then leverage that, that betting piece, a lot of legislation due to subject to change, hopefully that would allow some peer to peer betting and that kind of thing. So like, would it be that the further I get into the game, the less chance, like the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, usually win more if you bet, you know, smaller. So if I'm like further into the game and it keeps shifting, maybe I'm, I, I, have a greater chance of winning, but I'm going to win less money in the pot. Is that kind of the thought process? Or well, yeah, I mean the, the oh, the odds. 
Are you yes. talking about odds? Well, tra- I don't know traditional sports. My brain is traditional gone. sports betting. You're betting on who's going to win this baseball game, right. right? Which is great, but it's like that's a long time to you wait. Got nine innings. Yeah. And the way this this app works is, is what's going to happen this at bat. Is he going to hit a home run? Is he going to hit a so ground? So I'm betting on those like individual pieces. That at bat. Wow. And so it's incredibly. It's a tons of data flowing back and forth in real time. And so every pitch that's thrown to your point, it changes the probability. So if it's a full count. There's going to be a, you know, the yeah. probability changes of what's going to happen at, at this at bat. Uh, whereas if there's no outs, it's the top of the first inning. It's, it's it, the, the odds are different. And so yeah. it's, it really takes it in. I mean, you're betting however many at bats are on a game. That's how many bets you're placing a game as opposed to one bet for a whole game. Mm-hmm. And so that's the idea is it makes it so much more engaging, you know, and if, as we, our team has gotten so excited prototyping it, watching yeah. the game, everyone's getting fired up and competing against each other. And so it, those types of projects are really fun, uh, leveraging some kind of bleeding edge technology to make that work. And so it, those are, those are exciting. I can't imagine the logistics of keeping up every single game, every, I mean, I wanted to do a wine app, and I was like, I can't imagine just keeping up, like, with the wine that's being distributed every day. You don't have to worry, Aaron. I usually drink it before you have to worry about the inventory. But, I mean, I can't imagine those kind of things. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, no doubt. It's complicated. Okay, I don't understand. I understand what the idea of what you guys do, but, okay, now that you've got apps where they're going to include, like, technologies like AR, VR, XR into these mobile integration, is underlying all same coding language or is it different like what is that and is it is that skill set something that you guys have had to retrain for or what does that mean i guess that's a really good question i think a, a fear that we have like this stuff changes so fast and there's always the next tool like we talk about react native right like it's one little tool that and if you don't keep up you get left behind and so it, it is to your point yes we've had to keep up and so a lot of like you know what Connie has done a really good job of Connie really drives a culture at our our business and when we left our team had just finished up a hackathon that that we we took today to kind of internally do a hackathon and we had teams and prizes and stuff like that which is really fun but we really lean into our team there we we lean into our we have about 30 people and we lean back into our team to say hey we need to stay up on the leading technology, and that's not really my role anymore or our role anymore as we're focusing on the strategy of the business, but we lean to our team to be investigating that that next piece of, piece of technology. But yeah, you're right, the, the VR, AR, and even just the AI in general, you know, is such a buzzword. And so mm-hmm, yeah. we... <laughs> hey, hashtag, Aaron, yeah. Yeah. hashtag that. We like and hashtag. so we, we leverage AI and machine learning in a lot of what we do. But, you know, I think there's, there's companies that will carve out a vertical. You know, we are, we're doing AR and, you know, this industry and the real estate industry or something. And we haven't necessarily carved out that vertical, but uh, at a high level, we're always, you know, trying to be as progressive as possible with what the the next big language or movement will be. Yeah. What would you say is what's next for app development? That's a tough question. To <laughs> I don't know that I could say uh, I could say. Because you don't want to say or you just there's so much there's direction so much, to go yeah. into. Yeah, I mean, I think there's too much direction to go into. I think it's there's so many apps in the app store and I think yeah. there's a there's a little bit of like you know, if you're the first person on Instagram, it's a little bit easier to get a big following. You know what I mean? And now like your brand new account's a little bit harder to get going. I think same thing with apps to a certain degree. Like 
there's an app for everything now. And so I think there's got to be some kind of consolidation there. Everyone coming up with the next app idea, a lot of money is being poured into app development. And a lot of those apps are sitting on the shelf somewhere, kind of collecting dust. And so I think, I don't know where that's going to lead. It's just more of a problem that I see right now, I guess. How do you stand out? Like, do you, I mean, I'm assuming you've seen some companies have some pretty big wins on apps. And obviously there's something to being a huge company and having that plug and play. Like I I was just saying, I was at Disneyland. Their app is amazing. Like Mm -hmm. I can go and see exactly what's happening. I can go see the, I mean, it was awesome. But then if I'm starting an app, what have you seen from a startup perspective that's worked really well? Because it is a sea of, oh, just there's probably five other apps that do the same thing you do. How do you stand out? And then how do you get found? Yeah, I, I think where we see companies been most successful is when they have a distribution strategy in place almost before they start the business, right? So if the mentality of build it and they will come is is just a hard, you know, we all kind of think that, hey, if we make the app good enough, it'll take off. Where we've seen companies be more successful is, hey, we already have this partnership with XYZ company. They have, you know, 300,000 users and we're going to go promote this app, partner with them, and that will pull, you know, they're going to promote it to their users. And so, you know, off the bat, we're going to be pushing this to half a million people. And th- those relationships are in place. And, you know, that distribution strategy is is set up before you get to the mm-hmm. starting line. That's huge. Um, right. Because there's, there's a lot of good ideas. And a lot of the apps that are collecting dust right now, great apps, you know, but it's hard to find them, you know. And, and so I, I would say that would be... To a lot of people I talk to that have ideas, you know, I say, hey, go find a way you're going to distribute this first. And once you solve that and you've really figured it out, then, then yeah, go build it. And, and guess what? A lot of people will invest in it if you can come to the table with a distribution strategy already set up. Yeah. And if I can add to that, I would say, too, that we have, as we've grown, seen the value of investing in the pre-development stages, you know, before you even touch code, the value of investing there. And so to understand the user's needs in, in using the app and and then to, and to fully look through the user experience, user interface um, process, we've built out our design team t- to spend a lot more time there. And mm-hmm. so that we have real good UI, UX, and even like a, a prototype app to start playing around with so that we have a fully baked design before we start development, I think that increases chances of the app success as yeah. well. No, it's Because I've even found like somebody will say, oh, this app is really great and I'll download it and it sits on my phone and then I like don't even remember what <laughs> I get all these apps and I'm like, I don't even know what this does. Like I can't even, and then it's gone. So it's not even sure. like, sure, you get the download. And then it's like, it's like a whole new world. Like you've got to keep right. connecting and working and getting, otherwise it's deleted. It's because you're getting old, Aaron. Oh, it's totally because I'm getting old. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. to be honest, like when I see my sister's kids, like they're just, you know, and you're like, what, what are they doing here? Yeah. Did you know this app integrates with blood? I'm like, I'm just happy that it turned on. <laughs> but I think that I think you're starting to shift uh, from a cultural perspective because I'm sorry when I think of app development, I'm I just still hip. I'm still very hip. Don't tell. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> we have to say that to ourselves every freaking yeah. podcast. <laughs> but you know, what? but I, I hate to say, it, you guys, you know, I have to get out of my own head on this. Is when I think of when I hear, oh, we're an app development shop, and I, we do talk to quite a few. Mm-hmm. I can't help but think of. 
Oh, so you're creating the next Candy Crush game? Like, what does that mean? Like, because I think of apps as being, I don't know, basic, not the very big, robust solutions that you guys are talking sure. about. And that's where I have to get out of my head. Yeah. Um, is that just because of me or is, is or is there like others yes. like me? Well, and to be fair, we don't build any games. So <laughs> like, that, don't insult us like that. that. No, 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 like, not like that. But I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and, and we do a lot more what we call web apps. And so we're building kind of like backend systems yeah. and software and databases. So it's more enterprise. Right. Like, okay. Right. Well, I wouldn't say it's necessarily enterprise. I mean, there's a the cost of building an app that you actually download from the app store. We 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 are we approach that with a lot of caution, right? There's a big barrier for you to go download this app, get it on your phone, all that stuff, right? So we try to avoid that with what we call a mobile website or a web app, right? Okay. Okay. Where you go to okay. a URL on a browser to visit and get whatever done you need to get done. And then we're just like, hey, can we start there? And then can V2 of this, V3 of this, we roll out a mobile app? Because we can get to market yeah. there a lot cheaper. And a lot of times, too, you know, there's, there's kind of some metrics you look at. How often is someone coming back and using this? Is there an application where they come back every day? Okay, cool. Let's let's put a mobile app on their phone. They're using it once a year. Okay, yeah. we don't need an app. Yeah. You know, you just need a great website that's easy to use and intuitive, right? And so that's it's a, it's a web app, mobile app. We're, we're saying apps. And but it's not limited to, to mo- the traditional mobile app that you think of. That's what I was driving at, Aaron, right yeah. there. That's yeah. what, <laughs> the well, and I appreciate that too, because just even from I think what you just see the start, you hear the startup stories of people just taking advantage of, or I think right now, I mean, we see this all the time with this podcast. It's like the buzzwords AI right. app, or I need this, I need my company needs this, I, my company needs this. It's like, mm, no, you really don't. Right. And I appreciate that approach because it's like, well, we could take your money mm-hmm. and we could build all these great things, but then you're not going to be happy because, to, you know, when they come and use it once a year right. and delete the app because they're not using it, you're not going to be happy. Right. And so I, it is, it's very refreshing to see that approach because it, I, I feel like companies are really losing their way. They're not, they don't understand all these technologies. Right. But they hear the words, they think they need them. And, they just make and it's money, I mean, literally money down the drain. Yeah, and another huge talking differentiator there is not only do we have the kind of strategic consulting, the technical consulting, but we also have, uh, we, we help capitalize a lot of these businesses as well. Uh, so there's a startup we started working with a few years ago and through our network of investors raised over $2 million for this oh, startup. that's cool. Uh, oh, that's really cool. And so we help connect. We try to be kind of the hub and hub, hub of the wheel and mm-hmm. connect these companies with strategic investors that we know, like, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to say any names here, no, but, but yeah. connect, you can tell us after it's all right. Yeah. Right. Well, connect people with the, with the right people, connect them with capital. And so it's not like we said, I think a big differentiator, we really don't want, Hey, hand us a spec sheet. We're going to go use our, our hands to build this. We want to use our heads and how we're going to help you be successful. Have you, know? you, have you ever gotten pushback from a, a client that maybe didn't understand your value and so when you're asking those probing questions, they're like, dude, this is my startup. You're going to, are you trying to steal data or whatever? Right. I mean, how have you guys addressed that? Yeah, I think it's really hard to analyze when you're meeting with someone for the first time. Like, is, you know, is this going to be a valuable relationship to both of us? A lot of times we'll hear people go, well, you know, I talked to my friend and they hired someone in Ukraine and they were paying $12 an hour. Yeah. So, you know, why are you guys so much more expensive than that? And those are those are hard conversations to walk through graciously, you know. And sure, we have, you know, our reasons, but we really want to understand where they're coming from. You know, what what are they trying to accomplish here? 
And it's easy to commoditize what we do. And we want to really go away from that. We want to partner with you on this whole project. We don't want to just be hands that are on keyboards writing code, right? So the I guess the bigger sell is like, hey, because you work with us, we believe there's a higher probability that you are going to be successful. And even if this, this team over here wrote the same exact lines of code, we believe that our team will come around to you and, and help you be more successful as a business. But I don't know if that fully answered your question. No, yeah, I, I, I can see that being a huge issue. Just And it's like, oh, go to the Ukraine and then we'll charge you double when they break what you're... (laughs) Yeah, it's happened. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I just think in terms of, you know, if you're a startup and you've got a technology or idea or a concept that you're very, you know, concerned that's going to get out there, right? Maybe it might be the next Amazon of the world. Like, so how do you overcome that level of trust, right? Mm -hmm. And on top of that, to be honest, if I have, let's say we have our own business and we say, hey guys, we want an app and they start consulting with us, I can see where it'd be like... Uh, I hired you to make an app. Okay, I don't need you to be going right. into my business stuff. So I, I've just been curious how your um, your business consultants have approached that because that is unique. I don't yeah. think I've ever heard of anyone in your field doing this type of work. Yeah. So like, if we were to come to you guys and and you said, hey, you know, after this part, hey, well, could you help us think about an app? We're not going to come in and say, hey, let me let's see your P and L. You know, <laughs> you know wait, what? It's not not in the sense that we're going to pull everything apart, but we're going to ask you questions like, why do you want to build an app? Mm. You know, okay, why can't you do that with the other podcasting apps that exist today? Okay, well, you're connecting people with on Facebook. Like, why why do you need your own app? Why can't you use existing platforms to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish? So, we really want to understand. You know, okay, what, you know, we typically find people want to build, want to spend money on this for one of two reasons. They either want to save on cost or they, this is an opportunity to increase their revenue. That's really the main, only two reasons people or businesses are making decisions around this. So it's like, okay, if this is increase your, your, maybe you're saying, hey, you know, we, you know, this podcasting app's taking half our half our revenue right now there's a fee and if we built our own it would save x amount of dollars okay that's makes a ton of sense you know right. if we can build it for less you know payback period that okay I'm, we can get behind that or if you're saying hey we our distribution would be 3x if we could build our own app because of xyz right so those are traditionally the reasons people are making a decision is to exploit an opportunity or or save save on cost so yeah, I think that's what we mean by by strategically consulting. Mm-hmm. We want to understand that and then make sure that what we're building is is like we apply our own understanding and we, we would say, hey, okay, I get what you're trying to do here. What if we kind of turn over here and go do this instead? We think that's a bigger opportunity. So we do that a ton with our with our clients and that's really fun. No, this is really yeah. cool. So you guys, I could keep talking to you all day long, but I also want to be respectful for your time. Mm-hmm. If someone likes what they hear about you and they've got a project or they've got a challenge, how can they get a hold of you guys? Yeah, uh, I mean, a great place to start would go to our website. It's CrateBind.com, so C-R-A-T-E-B-I-N-D.com. I think it could help to learn a little bit more about us, see what our team looks like and projects that we've built. Fill out the contact form on that site and we get back to people pretty quickly. And he's not kidding. You could literally see what they look like. They've got pictures of them. And it's really cute. Because if you like, and I didn't know it, I, was, I wasn't meaning to, but if you mouse over their images, they've got multiple images of them. So there's like a nice professional one and then there's their personalities come through. And it's interesting because I could see your personalities. It, your, whoever your photographer was really knew what they were doing there. That's funny. All right. And of course, right. that'll be on our notes page too over at innovationcalling.com. Absolutely. So I want to say thank you very much. So we've got John, we've got Brittany, we've got Connie with Crate Bind. Thank you so much for your time. 
Erin, any questions? I don't. All right. I think that wraps it up for another episode of Innovation Calling. 